you just flip it. Hello and welcome to the very 10th episode of Just Flip It. I am Ewan, Ewan and as usual via Skype we have Patrick. And hey. We have apologies are in order for our hiatus. I think we can both agree that the situation around the country has been a bit of a downer. We've been focusing on our families. Some of us have brought new cars and puppies and others have been under... Char- Chairman Dan and his Dragonian shitfest. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's the best summary, isn't it? <laughs> well, I just think you need to comply with him, but that's my choice. That's my yes, uh, view of it. Because this time it didn't come from New South Wales at all, and you're uh, you're infectious removalists. <laughs> so, uh, as I said. 10th episode, so we've actually made the big number 10, and today we are going to discuss COVID in the waste industry, um, and just talk on discussions we have, um, have you implored to be tested, what happens if all goes up to shit, have you been mandatory vaccinated, and let us know. Yeah, so I think just as a sort of a, a, an idea, and look, um, this part is kind of more for information than anything else and to set a little bit of a scene. Um, you know, you and I were talking the other day um, about this being sort of an important subject just because it's it's interesting and obviously the position that, you know, you and being in New South Wales and myself being in Victoria, uh, we both find ourselves in similar positions at the moment, although uh, your, your state's position is a, a little bit more... Um, you know, uh, dire than ours. But um, just how we've sort of been um, as an industry kind of um, pushed to the side, I suppose. Um, you know, we, we were definitely uh, put in that essential workers category, you know, um, last year, but it's kind of feels like, you know, no matter which way you look at it, no matter which side of the um, – the, the debate that you're on that we've sort of been put to the back burner. Um, and I was just uh, sent you in a, um, an article from the U S that was talking about there there was a number of industry bodies in the U S that were basically pleading at the start of their uh, vaccination program to put uh, waste industry workers at, you know, not the top of the queue, but in those um, those first brackets for who received a vaccination, and um, despite them making repeated requests for that to happen, uh, it fell on deaf ears. Yeah, I'm just reading over this um, article. Um, it's basically just yeah, like the there's industries in America which <laughs> there's one called that. Solid Waste Association of North America, so SWANA, that's a pretty cool name, and the National Waste and Recycling Association, so NWRA, they want to prioritise industry workers and it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, look, it's obviously it's a, it's a moot point now considering that um, all adults in the US have been now offered uh, vaccination, but just it's sort of interesting that in um, in the position that we're in um, is that I know 
we got a message from our um, our management the other day that if anyone was interested, um, that we were able to get a letter stating that we were categorised as a priority worker. And obviously that's, you know, here it's very much state by state. So even though there's that, that federal government guidelines, it doesn't seem to be really being adhered to by um, by any of the states. You know, you've got Western Australia has started uh, from today that anyone from 18 and above, um, you know, in in Victoria, it's only if, if you're between 18 and 39, you're only eligible for AstraZeneca. Yeah, every state is completely different, but it's still interesting that it's taken this far down the line for, you know, again, at least in Victoria for, um, our industry to be recognized as someone, you know, that, uh, is, is worth, you know, putting ahead of that queue, so to speak. Well, the last, um, I think the last lockdown, um, I don't know, there's been years have had like a thousand, we've had one and we're still in it now. Um, there was a list out on what was classed as essential workers and waste industry was at the bottom of the list. Um, I'm pretty sure that if every single person in the waste industry turns around and says, fuck yous, we're not picking up waste, I'm pretty sure they're going to change their mind pretty quickly. Um, on the phone call today, what, you jumped back in the truck and said, oh, you would have loved that bin. It was full of, what was it, a COVID testing station or some <laughs> shit? COVID, um, no, COVID vaccination um I don't know the, the, some form of some type of form masks and tissues. That was awesome. Yeah, and you being the very hygienic piece person that you are, um, choose not to wear gloves. Where yeah, I no, wear... I, I wore gloves for that one. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I mean, it's not like we aren't being exposed to it. Like New South Wales is getting absolutely effing smashed right now with it. Um, the new variant is, or well, supposedly worse. Um, I know you have your view on vaccinations. I've got mine. I'm half vaccinated, um, but yeah, it's just a we've we've had this discussion before about what would be the legal implications of if your employer forced you to get the vaccination and you didn't want to get it. Yeah, look, I think. Um Again, you know, when I was working for the um, the big light blue company, uh, I had asked the question to one of the uh, the big HR um, bosses, and they'd said that they weren't going to go near that because it was a legal minefield. And I know that 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 framework that the Fair Work released last week uh, in the four tiers, so tier one employers um which were not it was categorized by the employment type rather than the actual employer themselves but tier one was you know you would absolutely have every right um to expect your employees to be vaccinated and not be able to provide a pushback right through to tier four which was basically um you know limited um limited face-to-face exposure with customers was basically if you ask them to or you try to mandate it and they sue you you will lose um my reading of that was definitely that that waste industry falls into a tier four um we're not you know we might 
encounter customers to say, hey, you know, or, or you know, sort of, um, you know, might encounter them walking their dogs or some shit like that. But we're not certainly uh, on an everyday basis interacting with every one of our customers on a face-to-face basis. Um, so I think that they've, you know, if they're if they're pursuing that, and I know my current employer has definitely gone down the path of going again, not going to touch that with a ten-foot pole. Um, too much legal, uh, too too many legal litigation issues there. That I don't think the industry is going to mandate it or be able to mandate it. Um, which again, you know, we've, you know, we don't necessarily have an opposing opinion on that, but. It's going to be one of those things where in our industry that the first person who tries to um, to do that might uh, find themselves in a, a legal predicament that they don't wish to find themselves in. Yeah, well, um, I mean, going getting with, with the whole vaccination things, like I know the, the COVID vaccination is very sore for some people, but one thing that my employer uh, has done is... They paid for our uh, hepatitis, um, hep, hep, uh, A and C. Something, I think there's something a, hepatitis. Yeah, there's <laughs> one of there's three hepatitises. One of them you can't vaccinate against, but the other two can't. You can. Um, my company's like, look, we find this as a risk. We're going to pay for you to do it. Blah blah blah. Please get checked. A lot of people. Everyone took up on it. Um, simply because, well, it's a disease that you can catch. Um, in regards to this, really, my company, all they've done now is just make, they're just like, make sure you follow the right, make sure you follow the rules, get tested. If you got a headache or this or that, um, go get tested and stay home. Get a headache? Fuck, wouldn't that be every day? <laughs> So one of the one of the questions we wanted to ask the listeners is, uh, in the waste industry, uh, is your company promoting you to go and get tested? Um, we believe, talking to other people in the industry, that uh, a lot of the companies, I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of the companies are looking at this as, uh, let's put our head in the sand, um, Fingers crossed our drivers are going to be safe and we will deal with it if there is an outbreak. Yeah, look, I think this has, be, this has become a pretty uh, standard practice right across the industry again after speaking to different people and, and not just in Australia, in other countries as well, is that it's basically been lock the employees or lock the drivers out of offices, out of, you know, uh, break rooms and anything like that, especially where they're shared with any form of office staff, and um, uh, you know, just hope that everyone's okay. And you know, there's been no, um, I, I suppose, really push for you know testing. And there's certainly no, you know, some industries like the construction industry in your state have really pushed the you know the on-site testing and everything like that. And I think that this, the the reality behind that is that we're not an industry that can stop. You know, no matter what way you look at it, we're not an industry where they can go. Oh, look, you know, we'll um we'll go and do the uh, the which your state seems to have actually 
decided is is worth doing um the rapid antigen testing at you know this at this site or at that site or in that cohort um i don't think they want to do that because i think they you know if they were to find something that it might be very problematic yeah and it's, like i don't know it, it just seems like the companies are just like we can't stop we got to keep going let's just let's just cross our fingers and hope for the best which seems to be how the industry operates on all like not only with covid <laughs> but with in, trucks, in a lot of ways you know just uh contracts just send it <laughs> yeah so and i mean the question is what will happen if it all goes up to shit like when when we first this is our first lockdown isn't it we yeah, this is our first lockdown. So when the like when everyone started really pulling their pants twelve months ago, um, my company they just went through and separated us. We had two crews. You're not allowed to talk to each other. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Blah blah blah. And now that we've gone into a lockdown, it just seems like a oh well, don't go anywhere. Get to uh, get tested. Um, if you're sick, let us know. And it just seems to be this whole, um, like, okay, these industries are closing down. These industries are closing down. But really, waste industry you can't close down. Like, it's. I mean, do you want to use the word? It's your constitutional right to get rid of rubbish. Um, Hard waste, well, no, it's not your right to get rid of hard waste, but putrid or putritional waste, um, which can cause diseases, then yes, everyone's got a right to get rid of that waste. So we are open, but we're open to businesses because businesses um, aren't closed. Uh, We're also open to people that are moving house or being evicted. Um, but the thing is, is everyone's at home, and what do people do when they're at home? Oh, let's clean the house up. So what do they do? They throw it in the bin. Yeah, and look, it's you've had the same um, the same experience, you know, uh, where you are that you've seen people being turned away from um, like a waste transfer station and that, and it's like, well, I'm sorry, it, it is actually, you know. Again, you guys are going through it for the first time. We're going through it for the sixth time. It's always been the case that it's it's not been something that you can do. Um, you know, it's not it's not open to. And I think that's more than anything. I don't think it's because it's a health risk. I literally think it is just again that whole stopping people from moving and you know doing stuff. Basically, it's got nothing to do with you know there being a risk. People being at at the tip or anything. I think it is just that whole, um, you know, stopping people moving around because let's face it for most people, their local, you know, their local tip is going to be more than five kilometers from their house. Um, so I think it is just purely on that movement case more than anything else. Yeah. And that's it. It's like you, you make a decision. Okay. I'm going to clean the house up and do a run to the tip. It's not, um, it's not just a matter of oh, you go to the tip, you get rid of your rubbish. It's it's a family affair. It has been for years. It's been 
uh, I'll say the word again, a constitutional right where, oh, you talk to so many people, oh, I used to love going to the tip with Dad. You'd get out and you'd you'd pick this up and you'd pick that up and you'd bring it home and, oh, it was all dusty and smelly and blah, blah, blah. But with OH&S that nowadays, you cannot do that. But when I do work up at the tip, you can see it every day. You've got these families they come up with the missus, they're having a fight, they're having a blue, the kids are in the back screaming, the dog's barking at you. They throw their rubbish out and what are they going to do on the way home? Oh, we'll go to Woolies, oh, we'll go to Macca's, oh, we'll go here, we'll go there. Yeah. And it's all about trying to minimise where people are going to go. Yeah, and that's and that's and I think, as I said, it's just it's not it's not for the reasons that people may think. I think it is literally just a movement a cessation of the movement associated with that. Um, but, you know, I think the whole thing with this is back to that sort of point of what happens. You know, like councils, obviously, you know, councils work in a two-tiered system here in Australia. You know, you can either have the council operated or operated by a third party um, or, you know, like a, a commercial contractor. Um, you have these yards looked at range from where you are to being relatively small to, you know, my ex-employer where not only was there one council, quite substantial council serviced by the yard, but there was actually three substantial councils serviced by one yard. Now, all of these people are working in the same building or out of the same building, the same work, the, the trucks are being serviced by the same workshop. But then on top of that, you've also got a really large commercial and industrial operation out of the same yard. So you think that you get you know, one or two positive cases in that yard. That's three large councils and two, from memory, two smaller, um, uh, we'll call them half operations, you know, where they're doing um, litter bins and, you know, maybe just the recycling or maybe just the general out of that yard you've all of a sudden got, you know, um, a good 150 to 200 vehicles parked up and, you know, um, 150 uh, workers furloughed. You can't fill that. There is, there is no way that you are going to be able to supplement um, workers in or anything like that to fulfill those contractual obligations and, as you just said before, realistically, with it, if you want to call it a human right or whatever, but it, you've got no way to then go, how do we service those CNI customers, which include, you know, um, supermarkets and uh, medical facilities and everything like that, on top of the, the domestic um, customers as well. There is no way that you have got to – there's no backup there. There's no – backup plan there's no you know oh let's get 150 you know operators from a um uh i've like the words gone past me you know um like a labor co like, like a labor co or anything there, there is no way to fix that and that's what i you know i mean when i say what happens if it all goes up the shit you know even in the company i work in you know even if you were to say that um, half of the drivers, you know, that start at one one particular time, if you were to have to furlough half the drivers, 
Some of those drivers can't operate all systems. Again, you're in exactly the same position. How is it that you would get that business up on the road after 14 days? And, you know, it's just – it's physically impossible. And that's the thing is like we – I mean, we're a relatively small operation, but there's a council near me where they have – 32 drivers and they had seven they had seven drivers in isolation because they were close contact so okay seven that's what a quarter of their workforce out yeah just because they were close cases um and the reality is is rubbish rubbish doesn't disappear like no you can't you can't ring the residents and say, hey, can you please produce a quarter less, uh, you know, or can a quarter of you please not put your bins out for the next two weeks while we have these drivers unavailable? Yeah. Um, and that's that's sort of to that point about, you know, I'm going to I'm going to use a controversial term here. And again, I am certainly not by any measure uh, anti-union. But when you brought that that situation to my um you know, uh, or bought, made me aware of that situation. The f- the first thing I said is, oh well, you just bring in some labour co. You know, to to fix seven drivers is not really a big a big thing. And you sort of said, oh well, they're a, a really strong union uh, represented um, yard, and th- that wouldn't be allowed. And it's like, why are the unions allowed to meddle in something like that? Something that's really important. Yeah, you know, if you don't have the ability to service the 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 populace that you have to. Why is it okay for the union to say, "Well, you're not bringing in labour code"? It's, it's an exceptional circumstance. It's not as if they're asking to do it, you know, every every six weeks. It's an exceptional circumstance, and to me, that doesn't seem to be something that the union should even have any sort of leverage over. But I think you're absolutely right in that there is cases like that where the union just put their foot down and say, well, you're not having people drive. Yeah. So um, we're sort of going to wrap this up. I think, you know, it was more of a uh, thing. We'd, we'd love to hear uh, what you guys think. Um, if anyone's got any, um, you know, any opinions on what we've said or anything to sort of add. Um, yeah. And the other thing is we'd love to hear, even if you'd like to, you know, I suppose, contact us more privately to see if anyone has been, um, you know, told that the vaccination is going to be um, mandatory for their employer. Um, we're obviously not going to be doing any investigative journalism into this or anything like that, but I'd certainly be just interesting to see if there is anyone that's had that put on the table um, in front of them. Um, but we sort of want to finish up here with um, a bit of a commitment uh, to our listeners. So, you know, we, um, we have been a little bit slack. Both of us completely recognize that. And it has just been exactly what we said at the start, um, which is that there's, you know, we're both sort of been in a little bit of a down spot. Um, you know, and we, we've sort of just had this on the back burner. Uh, but we definitely want to get back into the throats of us and the commitment that we're going to make, to you all is that we will get an episode out at least every 14 days. Sometimes, sometimes it will be more than that. Um, yeah, we will get out maybe two, um, two in a fortnightly period, but, um, yeah, we want to make sure that you guys are 
being treated with the uh, respect that you that you deserve and that we are going to um, make that commitment to all of our listeners that we will get one of these out at least every 14 days. So before we quickly go, I wanted to do a shout-out to... I didn't tell you about this one. I got an email from a John Note. Uh, G'day, guys. Love the podcast. Wishing there was more and longer episodes for my long drives here in the Pilbara. But no, we are all busy. So I want to say that I love four-wheel drive camping and fishing. So you could say that is what my toys are. But when I'm not doing one of those, I'm collecting vintage lawnmowers from the 60s to the 80s with some 90s. Keep up the podcast, guys. Like I said, I love it and always wait with anticipation for the next episode. So That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I have to ask, uh, I wonder if John has any relatives whose uh, hyphenated surname is Pad. <laughs> and the other thing that I wanted to touch on is we have more followers. We've got... A close down 233 Alex Meddy Gen 5 Fan 625 Wheelie Bins Alexandra Sedjian, which looks like he's from Canada, Andy Cohen, Ardia Selica, you know him, Ozzy yep. Bleenlid stands, King of Hume, name is Aiden. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of Melburnians there, which is great. Darwin Garbo, Eric Eric, E thirty nine twenty nine, Garbo three seventy six, Tomo eleven. We've got JJ Richards and Sons Proprietary Limited. Don't know if that's a real account or not, but thank you, Kylie Maganen, Manny Finlay. Miss Julie F, Miss Jewel 68, Sam Michelli, and 10 Cent Recycling Kid, the 10 Cent Recycling Kid. Thanks for following the pod, uh, the Instagram, awesome. and thank you for listening to the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you very much.